Hey there, podcast listeners. Welcome to Talking Wealth, the show where the wealth within team are on hand to teach you how to become a more confident, competent, and more importantly, profitable trader or investor. Wealth Within was voted number three for stock market podcast globally in 2018, so I hope you enjoy listening. This episode is a recording of our live YouTube weekly stock market show. Every Tuesday night, Dale and Janine stream live on YouTube from 7 to 8pm to answer your most burning questions, as well as analyse stock for our viewers. To watch the show, head over to wealthwithin.com.au and click on the Stock Market Show under the Learning Centre. As a global leader in stock market education, you can fast track your journey towards financial freedom by studying with Wealth Within. Please note that the information in this podcast should not be considered personal financial advice. Good evening and welcome to the Australian Stock Market Show. Tonight, as always, our aim is to shed some light on what is happening in the Australian stock market, as our goal is to inform and educate you on the realities of successful investing and trading. This is also the show where you get to ask us, the stock market experts, your questions and we give you the answers. Our topic for tonight, Australian superannuation, is this the best way to save for retirement? Hello, I'm Janine Cox and joining me tonight is Dale Gillam and we're Australia's most trusted stock market educators. Hey Janine, hey. how you doing? <laughs> Good, and yourself? I'm fed up of this whole COVID lockdown shh shut down stuff. Can no, I sorry. find him? Actually, he's he's already, um, he's a, he owes one for the swear jar already before the show. When did I do that? You swore before the show. Did I? Picked I? You, up. you better. You're like my wife. Better fork up. <laughs> Come up with the goods. Please. I'm just, no, with the, I don't know, whatever it is, but the whole lockdown stuff. This is stuff Dale's swear jar. It's not yeah. Janine's swear jar. Janine. I know, I've got one for you anyway. But I'm controlling I mean. it. <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> Everything I'm trying to do in lockdown, you're not allowed to do. It's like, I haven't been out of this, like, out of the front gate, other than to collect my bins off the front Yeah. in five days. Wow. And it's like, what do you do? The neighbours won't know you anymore. I don't even know me anymore. <laughs> it's like, I go to the mirror and go, who's that dude? It's a, it's a bit funny, but oh well. It's been interesting on the markets, hasn't it? Ah, surprising. Mm. I mean, the US market went up. That surprised me. Well, as soon as, the, as soon as they started talking about the mm. continuation of um, the funding over in the US, that mm. just pushed the markets higher, but it's on hot air, isn't it? Well, yeah, I mean, they, they are pushing them and they're continually pushing the market up. But all the experts that I'm seeing or listening to or talking with on the US market, they're all saying it's getting dangerous. And, and, I'm, and I'm saying the same sort of thing. I thought the market or the US market had had its short term high and we're about to start to go into its low. But it looks like it may not have had it yet. But isn't it uh, always the way that if people talk it down, eventually that term will happen, but mm. it could take time. And so... You know, it could continue to go up. Yeah, but at least things are happening in the US. I mean, you know, Trump's put a couple mm. of executive orders out and, you know, he's giving, um, keeping the, uh, the unemployment benefits going, even though he's reduced it. And I was talking about that with, on, with Jim on my US market report today. And I was also talking a little bit about some of the other things that are going on with China, like with WeChat and mm. what's the other one? The Tiki Tok. Yes, right. Tik Stupid things, I don't know. Tik Tok. <laughs> What a name for a business, TikTok. Well, look, it's making a lot of money. It's doing well, apparently, so are you going to criticise it? (laughs) Well, anyway, remember, if you have a burning question for us, record a a 30-second video and email it to info at wealthwithin.com.au. But if you are shy, uh, you can also send us your questions as an email. Don't post questions below. Please don't do that. Um, We're not going to look at them. Unless they're an email, we're not going to look at them, or a video, we're not going to look at them. So I know some people have posted a couple of questions. Um, on the actual um, YouTube channel, we emails only. Um, but if tonight is your first time watching, then thanks for joining us. And welcome to the show. We're looking forward to hopefully uh, in educating and informing you. Moving on, it is the second Tuesday in the month, and this means... Thank you. Oh, okay, drum rolls. We Jeez. look at sectors and indices in the all ordinary... ordinary I'm going to get my drumsticks out. I'm gonna have to, I've got some drumsticks. I'm going to get them out. <laughs> okay. I do. Not yeah. chicken ones either. I've been wanting you to get the guitar out for a while. Chicken, chicken drumsticks. Chicken. Chicken, no. <laughs> so let's get into the charts right now. Goes with right. my vegan chicken. Okay. Um, here we have the the list of all of the sectors on the Australian market. There you can see so that's the for S&P, August, so ASX that's, 200 and, yeah. the, and the different sectors. So, yeah, this is for the month so far. 
Energy yep. and materials. Energy was really has been really hit hard most of this year. Look at that. Oh, it's for really... years it's actually been hit hard, oh. really, um, which is interesting. And with the oil price being so volatile, of course, it's caught the brunt of that. But 6.2% mm. up for the month is a good result. And materials up about 5.6%. And Infotech down, yeah. down at 1.56%. So. Yeah, so that's telling you a lot. But then it's a bit of a change of the guards because energy was down, information technology was up. It's mm. it's, it's switch, isn't it, really? Yeah, and healthcare is still in that. It's in that bottom third, isn't it? Yeah. So financials well, is a little bit better in the mid-range mid yeah. there, 2.8. Um, but what's been going on for the year, though? That's the interesting thing because people often ask which what's, what's the next best performing sector? Because mm. that's what I was talking about with Jim on my market report for the US is saying it's not what's been hot, it's what's going to be hot next that you need to look at for the opportunity. So, And what we need to know is obviously what's gone up will come down and what's gone down will come up. So where are we looking at now? Well, I guess you could take it in reverse and you could look at what's been hot and then ignore those and then it reduces your list, doesn't it? <laughs> well, it can be. <laughs> okay, so information technology still up 18.66 for the year, so still strong. So you'd expect it to come off the boil, wouldn't mm. you? Um, consumer staples also up, so I'd expect that to come off the boil in, in the coming weeks. And um, materials up 7.5%. We've got uh, financials down 18.4%, industrials down 18 and energy down 35 So these are the ones, the last three are the ones that I'm looking to see a bit of a turnaround in, mm. um, particularly industrials and energy. So, you know, if we see that unfold, then that could signal something really important for the market. Yeah, I know Ampol has done well the last few weeks. Mm. It's done reasonably well there. I know there's a few other things like oil search has done a lot better in the last few weeks, uh, yep. companies like that. Um, looking at industry, uh, sorry, looking at materials, you've had Fortescue making your all-time highs, but BHP yeah. and Rio are lagging behind on that. I know a lot of people have been jumping on Fortescue. Yeah, well, um, well, there's some things obviously adverse in the media about Rio at the moment, mm. and so that's been pushing the share price down. But, you know, if you're looking at what's going on across those individual stocks, particularly in the top end of the market, mm. it was interesting at the start of the week yesterday to see that the ASX 20 was actually up more strongly than the ASX 200. So oh, I thought, good. well, okay, you know, it's a flight to defensive. Well, that's what I was saying on my, like, seriously, that's what I was saying on my report, US report today. Mm. It's because the Dow was the strong, one of the strongest index in the world last week. Mm. And out of the Dow, the, the NASDAQ and the S&P in the US, the NASDAQ was third. Mm -hmm where it's gen the last few months it's been first because it's been doing really, really well. The Dow's still down for the calendar year, about 3%, mm. um, where the NASDAQ's still way up. Um, it's yep. past its all-time high, so it's done really, really well. But the same thing, is that a flight from tech into high-quality, yeah, good defensive so. stocks? Because mm. if it's happening in the US and it's happening here, we might be yep. starting to see that now. Yeah, well, we're expecting the primary peak to mm. come in or the, or the cycle peak mm. to come in for some of these bigger stocks. Yeah. And it should be in any t any time now. So maybe that's a sign that it's actually coming due well, that's in the what next I was couple saying. of weeks. I thought mm. we'd already had it. I yeah. really did think we'd had it up until last week's close. So it'd be interesting to see where we finish up this week. Will do. The market right. hasn't pulled back, though. All right. Well, let's get down into your questions. So uh, now's the time to, to answer those questions you've been kind enough to send into it uh, into us. And first up, we'd like to thank everyone for their questions. Now, remember, if you do have a question, the more detail you provide, the more likely your question will be answered. Uh, also, remember not to send an essay in, uh, not war and peace. One or two short paragraphs will suffice. Remember, Jenny and I have to read that. Um, but first up, we do have a video, which are my favourite questions. And this one's from William. So take it away, William. Dale and Janine, I wanted to thank you for the amazing work that you've done. I just got through Dale's first book and I'm about halfway through his second book. I'm wanting to ask a question specifically about managing my cash position. I'm expecting a downturn in the U.S. economy here and a pullback in the stock market over the next months to come. And I'm wondering what kind of rules should I be thinking about cash accumulation? Should I be trimming some of my positions? And how should I be positioning myself for what I believe will be some buying opportunities here in the next months to come? Appreciate all you do. Thanks, guys. Well done. Mm. I'm, I'm excited because that's our first international video. Yeah, I love the accent. I know. It's good. He didn't mm. tell us where he was from. He's actually in the US, but I, I didn't actually say where he's from. So... Is it, it like Australia nice. where they have a different No, America's different sounding. than Australia. It's over the other side of some big water. There's a big lake you've got to get across. But uh, is, it like, is it like Queenslanders and Victorians sound different and then on yeah, one do. side of 
yeah. the US and the other side of the US, they sound different. Is that, yeah, well, Jim is from the south, so he's down from Atlanta in Georgia. Yeah. Um, the other guys I deal with are in Texas. Right. And then I also, and Manny that you've spoken to and I've spoken to, he's in New York, so he's got a real New York accent. Okay. Jim's got a, a southern accent, and the guys in Texas, well, they're out on their own again. Jeez. So, <laughs> they've, got, they've got big cowboy hats and guns, so mm. I don't argue with them at all, <laughs> but that's really what they're doing. But we need to answer his questions now. To me, when you're looking at how do you handle cash, some of it, some degrees, if you've got rules around your stocks, in my mind, is some of that sorts itself out anyway. And I mm. think I think a lot of people think because we're talking about the market falling away into a low, you know, September, October, whatever that is, or end of the third quarter, end, start of the fourth quarter, that all stocks will be falling in the market. And that's not necessarily the case. What you get is ebbs and flows in your portfolio. And I don't know, you can really add a lot of value onto that one where you might have 10 positions now, but you might go down to six or five or four as the market falls away. But those four you keep will still be going up or holding really, really well. And the other six will start to fall away. So trimming positions, I think you meant not necessarily taking a little bit off each stock. I think, I think that's you what meant, he means. Is that, you, I think that's you? what he means, taking a bit of profit. Mm. Yeah, well, I wouldn't be doing that. Mm. So, and that's my thinking, but you might be selling some stocks and that's my view of trimming that. So what, what are yeah. you thinking about? Look, I mean, I guess the, the first thing I thought about was the fact mm -hmm. that you raised, which is we've been talking about the market pulling mm -hmm. back and they're, they're looking at the market pulling back in the US. Mm. So he's trying to preempt what could happen. And so what you're talking about is you've already got a structure or strategy in mind. Really, mm. that's what you're saying, isn't it? Yeah. So therefore you stick to it. You don't try to change that based mm. on whether you, if you think that the market's going to pull back now until you actually start to see some confirmation that it does. That's really what you're talking about, isn't it? Yeah, we find, I find some people, they just, oh, the, you know, Dale and Janine said the market's going to fall. So they just sell their portfolio. Not our students, but yeah. other people, they just go, oh, we'll sell out of the market and sit back mm. and wait. And then they might be in cash for three or four months and then they go, oh, when's the right time to buy? Yep. And that's not really about that. There's never really a time, well, the, the time that we're 100% in cash is generally short periods of time. They're not long periods of time. And what you find is ebbs and flows on, on your portfolio that it grows and it shrinks over that period of time. But right now, as the market's falling away, it's a good time to restructure your portfolio based on some solid rules. And this is where I get a lot of emails from people saying, oh, I've got all these stocks before I read your book and how do I fix all that? Well, when the market's moving down, that's the time to start fixing your portfolio because you can get rid of the dead wood that you might have bought by mistake or there are any little trigger. positions. Sorry? When, when rules trigger or yeah. you're talking about small holdings that shouldn't small be holdings. in there anyway. Yeah, small holdings yeah. that shouldn't be there and other ones where the rules triggered and you just tidy up your portfolio and then you take it from there. Mm. But um, really just just look at the stocks you actually own. Yep, really good question. Mm. Look, um, our first email question tonight is from Sumit. Hi guys, would you advise Comsec Pocket Investing? Now you know a little bit about this, don't you? No, they have about, about seven ETFs to trade in their portfolios. Are these worth investing, or would you prefer Vanguard over Beta Shares, and why? Thanks, Sumit. Now, I mean, these are ETFs, so mm. we're talking about something that's, um, you know, um, funds. Now, some of these could be. Um, index funds or they could be specialty funds. I wouldn't necessarily pick one um, manager over the other. So BetaShares is a good Australian one. So I always like to support Aussie mm. companies who are doing something important um, over a say, and I'm not saying that American ones are not good or, or there's other um, ones in no, other countries. Good. Just say <laughs> they could not be good. good. But I really, I guess you've got to just compare what is, it, what is it you're trying to do, first of all, rather than just taking advice necessarily from a website? It doesn't matter whether it's Comsec or what it is. You really have to understand what you're investing in and the risk around it and have some rules to manage. It doesn't matter whether it's an ETF or a stock, really. The same rules will apply there. Well, I know thoughts? with Comsec, this is one of the things we have a bit of an issue with Comsec is they've got those portfolios that they suggest, here's a portfolio, here's another one, here's one you can invest in. And there's this group of shares and they just go buy all these shares in that mm. through us. And I think that's the CRAP way of investing. Yeah, you know, so a model. It's, it's just a model. And it's not really looking at who you are and what's the best for you. And surely those stocks aren't a buy every single day of the week for month on end. 
They're just not. But it doesn't really get people to think about no. how to structure their own portfolio mm. and how to choose stocks. No, and these mm. and these um, ETFs are exactly the same thing. If there's seven ETFs, why do you need seven ETFs? And maybe the demand was there on the other side. Let's. Well, I'll just I'll just um, play the devil's advocate here and say that maybe the demand was there. People want easy. You've said that yourself before. Yeah, people like to. I mean. People like to turn their brain off and they go, oh, I'll just buy that. And, and, and I agree with you. It doesn't matter who the ETF provider is. They're all good. They really are all good. You've got iShares, BetaShares, Vanguard, mm. whatever they all are. They're all good. But then what happens if things don't go the way that yeah. you're expecting? What mm. happens if they're bought in towards the top? Then what? Well, you're going to suffer the, the mm. slings and arrows of the market movements, aren't you? And, I, and Janine and I are always going to be pushing people to buy direct shares because you're going to get a far better return and lower the costs on that. And, and I know they try and make it easy by having these apps and you just buy a couple of ETFs and they go, great. Um, whereas stick to the top 10 stocks. If you don't have a lot of money, just stick to the top 10 stocks in the Australian market. Divide your money over five to 10 positions and then put it in there. If you don't have more than $10,000, that's only got three or $5,000, just buy $1,000 on each stock. It's pretty simple. Um, and Combank is probably one of the stocks you'd probably buy um, from that point of view anyway. But anything else you want to add? No, that's pretty good. Thank okay. you. Well, we can move on. Oh, it's my next. Oh, I'm sorry. Next. Stay awake, Dale. Um, <laughs> the next email we have is from Kerry who says, hi, Dale. What about Janine? It's okay. I don't I'm know. happy with that. Um, she goes on and says, it's great to see an Aussie on YouTube for share market advice. I was wondering what sector or type of stock you would be more inclined to buy after market bottoms out next. Um, uh, would you prefer tech, mining, finance, etc.? I was thinking of 5G and cloud technology. What sector do you think will do well? Thank you so much for your time and expertise. Well, we question. just looked at some sectors, didn't we? Yeah, we did look at the sec. Janine and I don't think like that. I think it's probably the, the first one I want to answer is Janine and I don't think like that is because it just depends on what's going on. And 5G may be the, some good opportunities in there, but it may be a year or two away you know, before it really starts to take off and it's worth investing in. So it's not about that. It's looking at what sectors when the market does come down. It's how do I say it? You'll probably hear me say so often it's trade on confirmation, not speculation. Just because we think the market's coming down doesn't mean it will. The market could keep going up for Christmas because we don't control the market. The only thing that Janine and I can control is when we buy and when we sell. That's it. That we can't control anything else. And so we need to make decisions based on what the market's actually doing, not what we might think it might be doing. So right now what we're looking at is the market starting to move up again um, as of the strong move last Friday. It really took off. And our market was up nearly 2% last week. So it looks a little bit better, but that says we still are thinking it's going to go down into the third or fourth quarter. But when it does come down, then we'll look at the sectors and look at, okay, what has been hit hard, what hasn't been hit hard, what are the stocks within each one of those sectors and look for the opportunities within all of those. We're not going to pick that sector now. Mm. Is there anything you want yeah, to add to that? that's really good. I mean, financials mm. is one, I guess, that we are not mm. keen on, especially not at the moment, mm. um, because it could be reaching its cycle peak right now mm. uh, and coming into it. So there's there's one. We'd rather see that fall, sector fall away first. So in, industrials, I really would like to see turn and move um, in the right direction after a bit of a pullback. I'd stick with that area. I think he's got the right idea into going into some going into some of the technology areas. I think yep. that's really wise to have some exposure there. But just to have a, a mixed exposure at this particular point in the market's the wisest thing to do. Now, if you were to go into a few financials, then it would be very selective. Um, be very selective about the stocks in that sector mm. and pick the ones that actually. Um, rebounded well during the COVID environment, not because of, of a lot of speculation, but more because they're big quality stocks like Macquarie and, and companies like that. Yeah. yeah, and it really depends on your outlook for your investing, isn't it? So is yep. it short, medium or long term? And then that then that will then dictate the stocks that you're going to be looking at. And the timing as well, mm. because, you know, if it's, if it's more mm. longer term, mm. you can be forgiven for a little bit of volatility. But if you're looking more short to medium term, then you really need to time it much better into the market, especially when there's an opportunity here in the next, you know, potentially three or four weeks. Yeah, I think mm. it's, it's like to try and pick that right now is speculation. Yeah, I, think that's I mean really an opportunity for a peak potentially and then, yeah. Okay, cool. All right. Thank all you. Right. That's Very all good. I've got to say. You got to okay, say? No. the next question we have is from Robert. Hi, Dale. Mentioned on YouTube last night that you must own stock for 45 days before ex-dividend date to get a dividend. Did I hear that correctly? 
I thought as long as you hold stock before ex-dividend date that you would get the dividend, Robert. You do get the dividend. However, it's the franking credits that Dale was talking about. So the 45-day rule relates to that. And it, and it came in because of all this um, dividend strategy. Dividend stripping. That d- dividend stripping, exactly. Mm-hmm. You, you took the words right out of my mouth. Okay. okay. Isn't that a song? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, I don't... Who sung that? Meatloaf. Was that okay? Famous. Bat out of hell. You oh, took the geez. words right Okay, keep okay. going. Go for it. I think I remember that one. <laughs> You're too all young. Right. Um, so there, there you go. We're, we're looking at um, dividend stripping, and that was really what Dale was talking about. So that's a short and sweet one. Yeah, because all we were talking but about But just to clarify, dividends. there's yeah. something on that, is that yeah. they've actually got to be holding it. Um, it's not – the 45 days is, is not just um, from the day they per- – It's I think they've got to include – 45 days plus the day they purchase yeah. and plus a day after they sell it. Yeah, it's got to be at risk. The mm. money, your money's got to be in the share at risk yeah. for that period of time before you get the franking credits. That's because, right. And because, a lot of retirees, yeah. they'll be focused on that sort of thing, wouldn't they? Because, I mean, it's pretty important to get that right. Mm. I mean, look, I can remember in my early, I think it was years ago, I can't remember when the, that rule came in. Can you remember? Um, it was asked, in, it's in the last 20 years. I think it's more like in the last 10 years. Or yeah, someone years. asked me about it and they Come said, on. oh, look, I've, I've actually sold my shares. And it turned out that they'd actually sold them one day too early. Um, and so they missed out on the franking, which is pretty tough, isn't it? Yeah, I know before we sell a share, we always look at when the next mm. dividend yield is and what's going on because you can be beneficial to hold it. Just yeah, but sometimes it's not worth holding it for the dividend. If the stock's going to pull mm. back, mm. um, we're expecting a low to come in and it's closing below its trend line or it's given mm. an exit rule. It, it, sometimes the stocks will fall much mm. more than the dividend, so it's really a judgment about yeah, where we think the stocks... Yeah, I know. Even, even before they bought the 45-day rule, and we weren't mm. even really keen on the dividend-stripping type yeah, strategy. Yeah, because if you're only getting about 4 to 5%, so you get 2 or 2.5% twice a year, mm. if the stock pulls back 15% in one go, what's the point in waiting for that dividend? It might keep falling. Mm. I know that with property stocks, they, there's a lot of people that wait for the, the dividends on those property stocks because the dividend could be quite good. But the challenge then is if the stock pulls back, like someone look at the property stocks lately. You know, there's only a couple of really, um, you know, good stocks like GMG is still going up, but the, a lot of the property stocks have been really struggling. Mm. Mm. Oh, well, they're, and, they're correct. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, very, very much so. But I mean, to me, the 45-day rule is, is really about, it's just stopping the dividend stripping. But again, you shouldn't be investing for dividends. Mm. You should be always, like we talked about last week, it's always about total return to me. It's not about, oh, I get 4% from a dividend. You know, what is your total return of your portfolio? Not yeah, just what is it on Combank or what is it on BHP? You know, how much did I make? And I think a lot of investors and people talk about, oh, I made this much on this stock. Well, that's great. But what did you make over your total portfolio? Did mm. you make... Five percent, ten percent, or fifty percent on your total portfolio. And what was your, that whole and total return? And what is the total portfolio? And what is the total because portfolio? Because what people often do is they'll look at what's happening with the stocks that they've traded, mm. not the total amount of cash that they've allocated, which mm. is technically the portfolio. Correct. Yeah. yeah. So what, they're only looking at the performance on the shares, the money they've invested. Mm. Yeah. No. Like if you had a hundred thousand and you only had fifty thousand in shares mm. for the last six months, people look at the performance on the fifty thousand in the shares, not yeah. the total hundred thousand. So they're not including the cash component. Correct. Mm. So, yeah, but let's keep moving on. Remember, everybody, just hit that subscribe button now if you like our show. And also like the video. There's a little big hand there. Click on it. Um, and remember to share the video of tonight's show on your Did social you in the media. Right direction there? Sorry? Was it down? Or? Is it down? There's a little thumbs up that you've got to click. <laughs> Don't ask Janine to hit it, get it onto her social media, but share it on your social media so uh, everybody can find our show and everybody can help the, the show grow. So, but... I'll shut up now. It's your turn. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, turn. that's my turn again. <laughs> so now's the time we get into the topic there. for tonight's show, which is Australian superannuation. Is this the best way to save for retirement? Now, we all want to retire comfortably, but surprisingly many Australians are unaware whether they will be able to achieve this. That's really daunting, isn't it? So how much super is enough? Never enough. Superannuation is supposed to be there to fund your retirement, but... Is it really a good investment strategy? And is the best way to save for retirement through super? Do you want to rely on a managed super fund or maybe a self-managed super fund to save for retirement? And what are the risks and benefits of both? Tonight, we thought we'd get the boxing gloves out. See, I've got my dukes up. Hey, I ain't scared. Is dukes still a word? It's an old word, isn't it? Look, I'm ready for your boxing. I've got my mouth guard. (laughs) 
<laughs> and I've got my hard hat. Actually, your wife's pretty tough. She gave me a few in, a few pointers before I came on the show. Oh, yeah, take the diamond rings off. Don't have oh, them right. on. <laughs> Jeez, don't do that one. Yeah. That's dangerous, isn't it? So what are we doing? We're, we're so we're pick... actually going to go, you know, we're supposed to go head to head and debate this thing. So I think people have been expecting us to do that. But so, some of the things we actually yeah. agree on, which is hard, isn't it? How do you debate that? <laughs> well, how much? First, the question is, is how much... We all have super, it's mandatory. So we can't get out yeah. of your work, you're going to get super. So we can talk a bit about that. Yeah. But I think the first thing is, is well, how much is enough? How much do you need for a comfortable retirement? Yeah. That's probably more important, isn't but it? But what is a comfortable retirement? I know when mm. I see statistics, you say, oh, well, you need this much money to have a comfortable retirement. But when you go in and look at the, the actual definition of a comfortable retirement is, I'm starving. <laughs> like comfortable, you eat a lot. Comfortable means you own your own home outright. Mm. and that you can put some food on the table and pay your bills and maybe have one small holiday a year within Australia. And I think that's about it. Maybe replace your car every 10 years or something. It's not yeah, well, a lot you've of blown money. the budget. I blown, I blow the budget in the first month, mm. I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> and you told me that your wife would blow the budget, the holiday budget. Shh. No, she won't. No. But, but it is. But how much is enough? So what are they saying is enough for people? Okay. I mean, look, the statistics mm. are interesting, aren't they? Because when we're talking about um, your super savings, it's mm. there's a number, I think it's something like 50 thousand dollars or $60,000 mm. that's supposed to be for a couple that they need that 50000 for two people in retirement. In retirement. And that assumes they own their own home? Um, that... Well, sure. it didn't. Well, it wasn't completely clear. I think it's that they own their own home. They're not paying rent yet. Yep. yep. So yeah, and is that it, that assuming it's coming from? And if but yeah. it's assuming also that they could be getting some of the pension as well. So, mm. look, you know, I don't like those sort of numbers. There, you've got to have two lots of numbers. So, what's what are the numbers that um, mm. that we would expect someone who is not receiving a pension? Um, or a part pension, sorry, um, mm. would have. That's really the question, isn't it? So it's well, going it to be is. around that. It's probably going to be around that sixty thousand anyway. Yeah, it's going to be around the sixty thousand. Mm. Now, for you, if at, at home, if you want to understand what's what's good for you or how much you need, go to ASIC's website. So the ASIC's Money Webs Money Smart website. So ASIC.gov.au. Go to their Money Smart website. They do have. Calc a lot of calculators on there. We show, I know we showed one the other week on compound interest calculator, but they do have one on helping you understand how much you need for the for your super. So it's a really good place to go. Um, also, the Association of Superannuation Funds AFSA, yeah, estimates that the lump sum needed at retirement to support a comfortable lifetime, as uh, Janine said, 640000 Well, I couple. didn't mention that one oh, yet. You I didn't was just talking that. about the per annum figure oh. that you'd need. But okay. yeah, you're right. 640000 is what they're saying. Yep. And the 545 for a single. But it's interesting, The big there's not much difference, really. It's 100,000 difference. 100,000 difference. Yeah, well, because yeah, I guess it's the yeah. power, isn't it? The energy consumption and all of those things that are a fixed cost. Mm. Yeah, but I mean, the average male is retiring on roughly a quarter of a mil, 250,000. Mm. The average female is retiring on roughly 160,000. In super. So, in super. So if we add those two together, that's what, 300, 410. I think it'd be less. Not even close to the half a male single person. You know, if the, market, if the market hits the the funds industry and then wipes out a percentage. I mean, okay, the market's rebounded mm. now, but if the market were to continue to fall, it's going to wipe that figure out. Well, so correct. That's the risk with super, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I've been, I've been arguing for years that superannuation is SHIT. It really doesn't help people retire. So you're cheating it, here. So you, you're avoiding saying a swear word. I know, I did. By spelling it I out. I could say tish, that's backwards. Yeah. <laughs> I've been told by the director. I don't have any more money. I better go and wait my piggy bank. <laughs> did that hurt everybody's ears? Sorry it did. about that. Oh, we did. Yeah. But you get. But the mm. thing is, is we've had compulsory superannuation for how long? Since the eighties. Oh look, it came in in the ninety in nineteen ninety two. The super guarantee scheme. It came in earlier than that. Yeah, but oh, super has been in for scheme. longer. Sorry, yeah, yeah, but yeah. not everybody got it. I think public servants got it. Yeah, um, I was getting it in years 86, before. 86, 87. And there were there were companies who had who were yeah. providing it for their staff, so it depended on the industry and the company, I guess. So super's been around for over thirty years. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. And and yeah. so this is the interesting thing, isn't it? Mm. Super's been around for that long, and yet we're still trying to work it out. And the problem we have is mm -hmm. that there are there are a lot of people who actually go. Um, who fall under the radar, mm. you know, so we, the, the, don't get picked up. That's cool. really part of the issue, isn't it? So it's well, not my, my argument. It's not a good investment for everybody at this point. No, because it's it's 
to me, it's enforced savings because if we, if the government, the, what part I like about it is it makes people save because if it wasn't there, yeah. people wouldn't save. Well, that's where we really agree, isn't it? That's where we agree, mm. but as a good investment vehicle, has tax advantages, but the rest Great of it's... Great tax advantages. But the rest of it's... Mm, yeah, it's not good investment in terms of you don't make a lot of returns out of it, um, especially man managed and mm. everything else. So to me, it's really about um, where we're investing in and do you do it yourself or you do it, or you get a managed superannuation because you've got to have it. It's a necessary evil, isn't it? Yeah. But the other thing I'd like to probably add to it is, is a pension is not a retirement strategy. Yeah. And this is where people put a government pension as their retirement strategy. I'd rather retire on a self-funded retiree every single day mm. because you can have more money and you have more flexibility and freedom. Because I don't know about you, but 45, it's, yeah. what is it, 44,000 per annum while a couple's probably 62,000, you know, for a modest lifestyle. Um, it's about 28,000 for a single, 48, 41,000. That's a modest lifestyle. Modest lifestyle. And so that's 28,000 like, for an that's individual. That's borderline I'm starving mm. to death at that kind of return. So is that really enough? And mm. I don't think so. But let's move on and we'll go on to some more points and we'll get to there. But uh, as I said, you can go onto the Money Smart website and estimate how much super you're going to have or you will there's need really into retirement. There's some really good calculators retirement. there. Mm -hmm. And there's some great calculators there. I'm always on the Money Smart yeah, website. It's really important. I, I speak to young people about this as well mm. to actually project mm -hmm. um, how their savings are going and look at how those calculators can help. So if there are parents mm. out there, it's actually the best place to put your child in front of a computer and get them mm. to put some calculators in there, get them to put their savings in and, and the rate at which they're saving and see how that goes over time. But mm. back to the compulsory super, we were talking before about yep. that it came about in 1992. So it hasn't been around all that long. Okay. And actually it was a Labor government, I think it was Hawke and Keating, yeah. wasn't it, that yeah. um, bought that out. So we've actually got Regardless of whether so you love them or you hate them, you know, you've got them to thank for that. It's been a really great thing, I think, for Australians. And the challenge, too, is that, you know, it's getting at the level up high enough. So we started off at only around 3%. Yeah. It got to 9% by 2002. We haven't really mm. grown it from there. It's only on 9.5% at the moment. And we need to be doing more mm. like closer to 20% for people to retire yeah. on that comfortable lifestyle that people want. Mm. You know, and... People are going, wow, 20%. But that's taking money, right, from people's pay packet that could otherwise be used to pay down, um, you know, non-deductible debt. And this but is they one don't. of the, Yeah, but this is one of the things that you've talked about before, that people would be better off not contributing extra to super and paying down their loan. Correct. But mm. people, even if you... Thing is, is people run out of money before they run out of weight. This mm. happens. And the statistics in Australia are like one in Can two... you say that again? Because it sounded like oh. if you run out of money, you run out of weight. You run out it? of money before you run out of week. Week. Okay. Yeah, week. Not week tea or something, but weeks, like days in a week. So, you know, and people do that. And that's where these um, buy now, pay later places are yeah. really taken off because people are spending next week's pay before they even get it because they've oh, already gosh. run out of money. Yeah. And we're talking about most, there's a big chunk of Australians, I think it's about two thirds of Australians can't live for more than about That's six or tough. eight weeks without mm. an income coming in, you know, which is, which is basically means we're broke. Yeah, so how do we help? those people. And that's really why superannuation, the compulsory superannuation is here to make people save. It's enforced mm. savings. So at least they're going to have something in retirement. Yeah, I think it's great. But, like, mm. you know, from the point of view of building the, the nest egg with a tax friendly environment, mm. it's really great. But is it really a good investment? Well, look, it depends where you put your money, doesn't it? Mm. I mean, these days it's really a flexible environment, more so than what it was in the past. I, yeah. I can remember probably a decade ago talking to people saying, oh, I can switch my investment from one fund to another or in different types of investments. So the mm. point of the point that they've actually made it more flexible, I think is great. But then the people who are making those decisions and the switching, do they really know what they're doing? No, because what I found yeah. is when I've looked at that is generally people switch at the wrong time because mm. they because they and this is the research I did for my first book, How to Beat the Managed Funds by 20%. The best performing fund in any one year was never in the top five the next year. It was always yeah. down the bottom. Oh, yeah. And what happens is, mm. is people say, oh, my super didn't perform that well this year. Mm. That one performed really well. And then you see all the ads come to this super package because we did this last year. And they can see that. And everybody the switches. Right and then the only way from the top is to down. Mm. And the only way from the bottom ones is to go up. So stay with the bottom ones or find the bottom one because they'll be moving up and you'll get yeah, a better return a with point. that. But as I said, the only thing I like about super is the tax efficiency of it, mm. that 15% tax on it. And, you know, and so whilst the scheme has helped a lot of Australians, you know, I believe it's, it's a, and it's a, a great thing for people to get into. Yeah, and particularly but, for women. Mm. 
Um, it's really been important for women and changing futures of women, but it doesn't really go far enough to help women. And that's no. why the argument about whether there should be a greater level of contribution to super is there because... You know, if women, a lot of women who are disadvantaged, if you like, mm. wouldn't have that opportunity to have that saving sitting there when they retire. Uh -huh. So, look, I mean, I guess if you look at some statistics, there's yep. a, a women in super website, 46% um, of the workforce, yeah, are women. 44% oh. of women still rely on their partner's income, which is a really... Wow big statistic and women take on an average of five years out of the workforce to care for the children so you know you're really you're doing something that for a really good reason but at the same time you're disadvantaged in in terms of your income and the superannuation savings at the same time no so there needs to be that five year um period they're talking about needs to be factored in um, and you had some ideas, didn't you? Yeah, well, I think, you know, if, if a lady's working and, and they want to have a baby, they should be given the choice to be able to stay home with the child for that mm. first one to five years, however long they choose, and yep. not be disadvantaged. I would rather pay for ladies to be able to just finish work and spend one to five years with their children and get paid. And well, you want them to do our course at the same time, though, wouldn't well, you? Well, they could do our course, but to me the benefit <laughs> is twofold. One is you get better children. Because mm. mum's at home and they get, you know, they get a better upbringing, they get mm. more love, the whole bit, they get better balanced children. Yep. But then the, the lady's not disadvantaged as well because 50% of marriages end up in splits. Mm. We know that in divorces. So to me, it's like, why shouldn't we be supporting these ladies who want to do that rather mm. than making them struggle going back in to do part-time work and all the other stuff? So, you know, I think we need to look after the society, don't we? You know? yeah. And, uh, you know, to me, you know, the argument is, you know, you get... The extra money because they're thinking about raising the superannuation guarantee, you know, well, taking it out of people's pockets, then they could be paying off their debt. They're not going to do that. Mm. I guess constantly you, we've shown you can look at that. it this way. I mean, you, you're either going to have to fund those people once they get to retirement anyway. Yeah. So why not actually give Under them now. the, I guess it's it's the, what do you call it? You know, it make, it's that... Robbing Peter to pay Paul, no? No, it's actually the dignity, like allow people mm. to have that and the opportunity mm. to mm. have that those the financial position going towards mm. retirement so they don't have to stress about it all before they so, get there. So whilst financially it's going to be better to pay your money into the mortgage, mm. if you pay extra money into that mortgage, it'll be much better financially for you. In the end of the day, people, if they've got spare cash, they're spare equity, they're going to use it. They're going to keep borrowing money. That's what they're going to do unless they're forced to save. That's really what yeah. they're going to do. So to me, it's super a good investment. Look, in some cases, um, paying the money into the mm. mortgage is good, but super is, will always be one of the best investments yeah. I think that people yeah. can make. Now, we need to move on to, because we've got a couple of things. Yeah. We're going to talk about self-managed versus managed as well. Now, mm -hmm. you've got some stuff from the Grattan Institute, yeah? Yeah. So, look, they're actually arguing that the vast majority of Australians will have more than enough for retirement. Now, I reckon I asked, that's BS. Well, they said they'll have about 91% of the pre-retirement income will come from their super. You know, think about it this way. If, if the super, um, if your retirement age is getting older mm. and you're only like, the average um, age that people live to is in the 80s, yeah. you know, so you're talking about a 70, um, maybe 15 years for retirement. Mm. Um, there's only 15 years in there. So I, I actually spoke to someone, this was going back oh, maybe 10 years ago, eight years ago, and she was actually building up her superannuation nest egg and her personal savings as well and working really hard and doing all of this work. And then she hadn't actually looked at things from the keeping the end in mind. So she hadn't looked at where she would be based on what she was doing now, building her wealth and all of that, mm. where she would be in her retirement. So she, she actually didn't know when to stop. You know, so that was a really important thing for her to actually do that. Go and use those calculators, have a look and see how much you actually need yeah, for retirement so from you where you are working. currently now before you can do that. Okay. And I think that was a really important shift for her. Okay, mm. so let's move on. And we need to talk a bit about self-managed super and stuff like that. But Yeah, um, look, I mean, based on the Grattan Institute as we're moving mm. on, they were just talking about scrapping the, the potential to have that 12% contribution because yeah. of that reason. So I'm, I'm not in favour of scrapping. I'm in, I'm in favour mm, of putting it up. It. Because the more people don't have it in their bank account, the less they're inclined to spend it on stuff they don't necessarily need. Yeah, well, that's a good um, point. And again, it's like... Because you can always redraw from a mortgage, can't correct. you? That's you can always. Saying. But anyway, I mean, we all have our opinion about where 
the super really is a good investment. Look, and we haven't really had yeah. a big big blue, have we? No, not yet. I'm get, I'm working up to it. I'm working up to it. Um, but <laughs> um, and and we believe there are a lot of issues, and many of you should have asked or asked whether you use a managed fund or a self-managed super fund, and that's what people are asking. Is now a managed fund is easier. They're they're just more flexible. It's as simple as that is. And but a self-managed super fund, uh, there's a lot of regulations and legislation to understand so that you're compliant. But it's not impossible. Um, and I've no, I know a lot of people talk about superannuation. They go, oh, I want to, I want more control. I want to lose it or make it myself, and I want to be responsible. And I hear things like, well, if I'm going to lose my money, I might as well be responsible for that than let a managed fund handle on the super. So I'll just do that. But a lot of people don't want the responsibility no. of keeping up with all the documentation and the legislation that they have to do. Yeah, well, the industry make it sound like it's hard. Why do I they know. do that? I saw one post on uh, one article on the industry saying um, it's too expensive to manage your self-managed super fund. Your fees are going to be ten thousand dollars, and I said, really, my fees last year were fifteen hundred dollars. I went, what planet are you on? But it depends on your accountant. And it depends on the type of investments that you have and how yeah. complex those but investments there are. But there are a lot of new services out there. So managing yeah. a self-managed super fund is not hard. It's mm. super easy if you know how. You know, we have people who've read my book and managing their own self-managed super fund. Because mm. there's a difference between the compliance and the investing side, but you need to know both. The compliance, you can hire people to help you with that. Yeah, because a self-managed super fund, mm. there are all sorts of regulations like yeah. the, the regulators suggesting that you need around 250000 to invest because yeah. of the fees involved. Yeah. So you've got the financial accounts to be done at the end of the year and you've got the auditing yeah. to be done. But I reckon a lot of that's money. a bit shifty too because the big end of town wanted to keep you in managed funds. And so if they, the average male's retiring on $250,000 in their superannuation. So why do they set it at $250,000? No, look, I think they have to protect people no, because people do silly things. Look at the GFC. People make dumb mistakes by putting... Mu- you know, all their funds into one or two mm. stocks because okay. they thought they were going to win. And I think with superannuation, particularly self-managed super, mm. there's a risk that people could do the wrong thing. So they put some of the infrastructure and the legislation and everything there just to protect yeah. people. But the bastards yeah. won't stop playing with it. <laughs> but you can actually set up a self-managed super fund with, with less than that. Like you said, that there's no hard and fast rule particularly, but um, you know, there are certain people that wouldn't necessarily set up a self-managed super fund. The government's they turn, never going to stop playing they'll, with they'll it. Close the big the door end of town if, are still going to want to steal your money. Well, they'll close the door on people yeah. if they come up and say, I want to set up a self-managed super fund with yeah. 50000 so, yeah. It's just not going to happen. No, I'm retiring mm. without super. That's my play money. But <laughs> let's move on anyway. Okay, let's get into some more emails, shall we? But before we do, remember to hit that subscribe button now. Now, remember, it's down here, Dale. Do you remember that? It's down, I don't know. Thumbs up. I bet you the producer or the director will probably put it up there now and I'm going to look silly. I give a big thumbs up and click the like button. So the more people that click the like button, um, you'll be helping us because I'm reading out this part of the script this week. Okay, but we now have a question from Andy who says, Hi, Janine. I'd be interested in your views on DXN. I recently bought in at 2.5 cents. Thinking it's bottomed and turned around, um, am I too early to think this? I purposely didn't ask Dale because I didn't want to scold for buying a small, <laughs> relatively illiquid stock, but I'm bracing myself for these comments. Cheers and keep up the good work, Andy. Brave man. Why is there this perception brave that I'm going to be softer on, on everybody? I know, but he already knows he's done the wrong thing because he's telling me I'm going to tell him off. So he already knows he's done the wrong thing. Okay. It's like the child walking in with their, their body in their lip going, Mum, but... <laughs> You've done that before, haven't you? Yeah. Otherwise you, you couldn't can, tell that story. Uh, you can answer him. All I'll right, just then. Keep my, my silence will be deafening. <laughs> yep. Okay, so looking at DXN Limited, it has been in a long-term decline, so downtrend. And according to the monthly chart, they can, it hasn't actually confirmed that it's going up yet. So that's a real challenge here. However, when you look at the shorter-term perspective, it is looking like it's starting to move higher. Now, the concern I have is the volatility and the liquidity of this type of share. Of course, he's going to know that's a big issue and it's a much higher risk proposition. But let's just have a look at what that actually means. So again, you, you've always got this little PRP tool up here, which is a price range percentage tool just to help you guys out there to understand I the I gave lingo. you the mouse to use tonight and you're still using the trackpad. I know, I'm just so used to it. I like the feel of the keyboard. Okay, 167% rise, okay? So it is a risky thing because if a stock can rise that fast, it can actually fall twice as far and Mm -hmm. twice as fast. Um, So therefore, be very cautious with these types of shares. 
The other concerning thing um, looking at the chart is that there is a gap on the weekly chart. Now, for these types of shares, they're filling gaps. So you see here that's traded up and filled the gap. Mm. The real risk now is that it could come back and fill. Dale's oh. going, oh, oh, oh careful. Um, can so I say, can I I say think, something? Yes, you can. Go for it. Next week, our show is going to be on micro caps and what you need to know how to do this sort of stuff. Right. So Isn't that exciting there you go. You? So, um, I've you, already started are you constructing you now going it. to the dark side? Is I'm, going, I'm looking at a couple You're of micro... A step over. There's a couple of micro caps I look at and mm. I do have been looking at, so there's some exciting stuff. Any more you got to say on this one before I... Only that there is a real risk here, that the stock could fall below this low here. Now, if it falls below the low of, is it 2.2 cents? Something like that. Weekend I, I didn't even put my August? glasses on for this one. No then there's a real risk that it could come back and fill that gap there. So that's that's a problem. And yeah. the challenge is with these stocks, they can be manipulated really easily. All the time. Mm. All right, next question. So DXN, next question is from Nick. Hello, Dale and Janine. You said mentioned both of us there. You'd be happy now. Yeah. Dale, have uh, have just finished your book. Fantastic. Well done. I'm now in the process of drawing up my trading plan. Wow, this is awesome. After the fact, as I am already holding some stocks, okay, but at least it's better late than not at all. Would appreciate your thoughts on Woodside. I'm in at 21.60 with a stop loss set at 1944, a 10% stop. My thoughts are hold for now and hopefully it will improve in the COVID situation. Thanks in advance, Nick. So there mm, we go. Thanks in advance, let's, you said. Let's go to Woodside. Yeah, looking at Woodside, it's actually been pulling back. So, okay, he's got a stop down here. So he's in a slight loss at the moment. Yeah, and it, it is heading back towards his... Um, you you don't let me use the crosshair, do you? Because I, I really love that no, tool. No, you can use it. You just don't leave it on all the time. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that cross. Yeah, you're not that cross. Okay, 1944 is just below the recent low. So, yeah. so that's his exit strategy. Yeah, so it's really getting close now. So you, I mean, Nick, you really want to see this stock start moving up and it may do that now. We may see it move up above $21 in the short term. So a close at the end of this week, a close high on the bar mm. for the weekly bar would be a really good sign that it's more likely mm. to do that than fall away. But I'm just really excited that you've actually written your trading plan and documented this, even if it's after the fact, because it's showing that you've got some discipline that you're bringing into your trading, which is great. Yeah, I mean, obviously this week there's, it's mm. a little bit of indecisive at the moment. It's really just floating, which means this is not really wanting to fall away at the moment, is it? Really? It's not wanting to fall away, and it looks like there's, it's being range-bound, really, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. yeah, so hang on to it and stick to your stop loss. I think that's really the, what yeah, we're looking at it. Yeah. Um, the next email we've got is from Chris. He says, hi, Dale and Janine. The meltdown back in March triggered my interest in the stock market. As I believed, it was the perfect time to educate myself to possibly find some excellent investing opportunity. I would agree. I bought both of your books, started the trading mentor course well, and have since stepped up to the diploma. Oh, fantastic. Loving the content and studying the charts. I'm a bit obsessed here. So are we. Um, this should get my email on the show. He says, ha-ha. So <laughs> Janine's picked all the emails. I hadn't read them. So um, While conducting top-down analysis, I came across Meridian Energy, MEZ. The fundamentals are strong. It has solid market cap of $12 billion plus and moves in long, steady trends on the charts. My question is, why are the volumes so low? What do you think of the stock? And will it have liquidity issues? Keep up the great work, Chris. That's interesting. I've never seen this stock. Now, first of all, I'd like mm. to take a peg out of Nick's cap, the previous mm. question. Take a peg out say, yeah, because he was—he's an example because he's written a trading plan. So I wonder if Chris has done the same thing. Chris, I'm putting that question back to you. I hope that you've actually written your trading plan. Well, there we tough. go. Um, that's as tough as it gets. No, Meridian Energy Limited, um, MEZ. So you can see there on the monthly chart, it's just got that toppy look about it. So, you know, we've seen these three tops, these three peaks occur on the stock and it's really poised right now to take a direction either way. If it trades above approximately $4.65 or $4.70, it's more likely to go up. But if we see it push back below the um, recent low down here of, uh, what's the low there, 4.33, then it's more likely to continue to fall. So it's really that simple and, uh, when so you're looking at volumes. these. He's mentioned it has low volumes. Could there be a liquidity issue? Yeah. I, look, I would need to do some research, but... It, um, one answer for that would be some stocks are very tightly held, and I know Sol Patterson was one of those. It's been yeah. held by 
a large the large family interest so you'd need to look at the shareholders of this you might find there's some shareholders that own the big chunk of it and if they're not selling um, or they're not turning over their stock then that's possibly why and, and this was the case with the ASX back when it floated back in the 90s when it floated members of the Australian Securities Stock Exchange at the time got shares. They got all the same amount of shares, if you remember. So you had all these stockbrokers had all the shares in the ASX. Mm. And stockbrokers generally hold. And so for, for a quite a long time, there was very few shares traded on the ASX at the time. So the share price just kept going up and up and up because there was very little liquidity. But now there's a lot of liquidity on it because a lot of the stockbrokers at that stage when they got the shares, they were you know, fairly old and a lot of them have died off and obviously... But there's a lot more shorting happened. that goes on as well now. Yeah, so we're talking about the... the yeah. So so that was early on, it was illiquid, even though it was a very highly capped stock, mm. it was a liquid. Um, and this may be the case with it, I haven't had a look at it, but go and have a look at its share registry, go on to its website and look at um, who owns all the shares and the players and they well, might I've got they the, tell you. I've got the volume up there. Yeah, it's not a lot. So you can see it's not a lot. And, you know, it's a, it's a $4 stock, so you mm. multiply that out. It's not a big value yeah. per week being traded. Yeah, so mm. just be careful with it. But anyway, let's move on. All right. The next question we have is from Jim mm. or James. Hi, Dale and Janine. Could you please have a look at CBA? Yes. Great stock. I'm thinking that if it closes this week above the July high, it would be a good opportunity to buy. However... I am wary of the market risk at the moment. Cheers, Jim. Thanks very much for your question, Jim. Let's have a look at CBA. And you wanted to also have a look at some of the other banks as well, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, I think while we're looking at CBA, let's look at a few of the banks. Yeah, I mean, look, should, do you want to try and overlay them over the top of it or do you want to look at them separately? You're in charge of the mouse. Yeah. I gave it to you, but you're not using it. But, uh, but CBA... Look, let me I, see if I can. We do like... Out of the big four banks, I think CBA is our preferred bank. I think that's what we probably want to say to you is our preferred bank. It has been going up nicely. NAB and probably ANZ are the two least preferred out of the big four with Westpac coming in under Macquarie... Uh, sorry, under CBA. And Macquarie, obviously, that's the pick of the bunch. And Macquarie's done so blisteringly well since... Uh, it, from the GFC low up... It, took off like a rocket. Um, it got hit a bit with the COVID and it's been doing really well since, obviously. But uh, of the big four, big four at the moment, Combank is the preference there. Now, Janine's overlaying, and you'll see on the chart in a second, you'll see her overlaying, um, or she's doing that now. Just what, to make it more confusing. I'm just overlaying it. all four banks onto the yeah. one stock and she'll explain it in a second. You'll make sense of your chook scratching soon, won't you? Well, look, uh, I thought chook scratching. That's fabulous. I thought, um, I didn't know you were a country boy. Oh, yeah, I'm way back. I'm born in Geelong, remember? <laughs> <laughs> all right, so looking at this one, you can see that the red um, chart is not one of the four banks. It's actually Macquarie. So there's a comparison between what Macquarie has done and what... full screen so they can um, see it. Yeah, that's good. Some people idea. like me, me, like me, needing glasses. Okay, and you can see what Macquarie's done versus what the Commonwealth Bank's done. So, Commonwealth Bank's still at risk of pulling back at the, this point here. Although it's actually coming back up to a zone that it really likes to trade within, which is around about that seventy-four, seventy-six dollar mark. Mm. Historically, it's like that. So we may see it just hover around in that zone for a little while now that it's pushed up to that level. But the other banks, which I'll, I'll hide Macquarie now just because I thought that was fun to have that on there. We'll just hide that there. Um, and we can see that I've put Westpac and NAB there, just as a point of comparison. I haven't put ANZ on no. there at the moment. But you can see how they've actually gone down in this massive decline that we've seen unfolding. It looking like it could be coming off a bottom. But the challenge with that is there's always a risk that they could keep going down or they could come back and check that bottom. So in the short term... Um, you know, there's a, there's a risk in the financial sector. If you're a long-term buy and holder, if you're a long-term buy and holder, if you and you bought in, you would just mm -hmm. be hanging on to them at the moment. Yeah, but mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's how low are they going to go? Yeah. From a long term. Look, and Westpac and NAB, you wouldn't think they're going to go too much lower mm. than where they are. I mean, when I say too much, it could be still twenty or thirty percent from yeah. where they are, and that's yeah. the real risk. You know, to see your capital get dwindled away and then be mm. waiting even longer for that mm. recovery to happen. Yeah. So if you've but, got a if you've got a ten year outlook, yeah, and that's you've got money it? to put into whether it's a self managed super fund or whether it's your own portfolio, I'd still be waiting outlook. for a, a confirmation though. 
Yeah, mm. cool. But yeah. again, it's 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 about whilst we think the market's going to fall away over the next couple of months, mm. it could be a nice time to pick up some banks at a really cheap price if you've got a long term outlook. If you've got a short term outlook, different story again. But look, I think I'd still be waiting for some mm. decent rules. If it was a long term outlook, mm. then you don't mind waiting a bit on the mm. monthly chart because if there's going to be a big run, so the likes of this mm. move up from 2011 onwards, and remember everybody thought markets were going to capitulate further back then. They were, yeah. right? And yet they turned around and recovered and that happens over and over in the history of the stock market and look what the look what occurred but you wouldn't mind giving away that move off the bottom let's have a look at what happened mm-hmm. just quickly off that low there in 2011 I'll expand it up in a minute yeah. um, I just realized that I I'll what have you done have a challenge here if I leave the overlays on so I've got to just hide those for you for a minute so once I've hidden that I can then show you what that move was now let's have a look uh, so it, it's off the bottom, it was about, what, 20% right. roughly to this zone in here. So it had actually recovered 20%. So you, you're not concerned about giving away a move off the bottom to get into one of these trends, really. And, and that's a mm. critical point, because I mm. know last week we talked a little bit about people penny-pinching, trying to sort of get in at a low price, and um, and we have people saying, oh, I, um, I had somebody who sent me an email um, this week and said, look, you know, this triggered my buy rules and I had it had my entry set at this price, mm. but the price of entry was the same price as it closed on Friday. Right. But they didn't allow it any tolerance to open up a few cents higher, whatever else. And so it's, and whilst that's, to me, that's a bit penny pinching, you should always give it a bit of a tolerance there, you know, maybe a, you know, a few so cents. So you're saying they didn't get in because... No, they didn't get in because it, it, gapped, it gapped up and it yeah. didn't get in and it didn't trade to their buy price because okay. their limit was the... the, the Sell price, right. the, the closing price That's on the Friday. That's unfortunate, isn't it? And it is unfortunate because it actually went up quite well the yeah. next couple of days. So it did very, very well. Uh, and this is what people do. They try and penny pinch and go, oh, I'll try and get this low price. But mm. I would rather see a stock move up and mm. up and up and up, maybe 10, 20, 30, 40% to know it's rising mm. rather than guess at it. Because if a stock's already in an uptrend, then the probability is it will stay in that uptrend until it's not anymore. And so if a stock's in a downtrend, the probability is it will stay in that downtrend till it's not anymore. But at what point is that? And most people can't get that, but they guess at it and they hold on to a share, they buy it, they hold it down even further because yeah. they're trying to penny pinch. Look, Commonwealth could be up now. It could, yeah. And it could continue to go up over the Possible. next couple of years. However, it hasn't had a retest no. of the recent low yet. Mm. So we've got our last question for tonight, and it's a biggie, and then you've given that one to me. I know it's a biggie. Um, it's from Ross, I think, um, who says, Hi, Dale and Janine. Thanks for your weekly updates and live show. They are both very informative, and I'm a medium to long-term active investor designing a growth portfolio consisting predominantly ASX 50 stocks. He's very good, isn't he? Mm. Um, with a percentage extending out to the 100. Fantastic. Um, a stock I'm watching as a potential entry into is Woodside with the forecast at EPS growth over the next two years. However, the uncertainty surrounding oil prices remains a concern. Now, Woodside has been in a long-term downtrend since its all-time high back in May 2008. However, it historically goes on rises of 20 to 50% when it turns upwards. I've identified three consecutive successive down bars in July, August and September and drawn a downtrend line from June 2019 that crosses August, September and October. Uh, And he did attach a chart. He says, am I correct in my analysis that should August close above 21.13 mark that this would trigger a buy signal? You are both experts and I'm the beginner, so I'm expecting harsh feedback. Um, I don't take it as offensive. It's part of learning and acquiring more knowledge to become a better trader. Thanks, Ross. I think he meant me about the harsh feedback. (laughs) Can I say something about his chart? You saw it, but just go easy on him. It's not a trend line. (laughs) It's, it's not even a trend line's backside, basically. <laughs> that's how bad it is. Okay. Um, but, no. but he had a go, and I admire it. He did that. have a go, so I think mm. that's pretty good, but it's not yeah. a trend line. Okay, so, so um, you, you're not so even going to show before, where... before you go on, yeah. the answer to his question, no is the answer. If it does do what he said it to do in August, right. that's not the trigger to buy. Yeah, okay. That's that's the point, pertinent point, yep. Okay. So now you can talk I about mean, the stock. So if we're going to talk about Woodside, we've, yeah. we've already talked about it, but if I talk about it in relation to trend lines, and you don't want me to draw them, do you? No, you don't draw them. <laughs> but if I go across the top here, and we're basically looking at the trend down, right? Mm-hmm. And we're seeing how far it is away from the trend. It's got a long way to go to get back to the angle of that trend is yeah. really the point on the monthly chart. 
Mm. On the weekly chart, it's much shorter, but there's no trend line down that um, decline is what you were talking about. Yeah, there's no trend line down there. Yeah, yeah. But there's something interesting. I just want to digress and show... Um, yeah. What was the gentleman's name again? Ross. Ross, Ross. What I wanted to show Ross was... four letters. It's not hard. No. What I wanted to show Ross was that... He may not be aware of how well, he was talking about the oil price, but mm. how well Woodside does track the oil price overall. Mm. In terms of the overall patterns, when we talk about patterns on stocks, this is actually a long-term pattern that the stock has formed. And it's just fascinating, isn't it? There'll be times when the oil price will digress and change direction slightly differently to the, the, the stock itself. Um, but that can depend on how the company's got themselves set mm. up in relation to the oil price and how they're hedging themselves as well and, and the activities that they're undertaking. And um, But looking at it at the moment, it's actually following it again. It is following mm. it, and, uh, but oil prices, what do you think oil prices are going to do? Well, I've done a podcast on oil. Oh, okay, so you're not going to tell anybody. You so have to listen. They have to podcast. listen to the podcast. Okay, so she's not going to tell you that. Um, <laughs> right now, it is looking like it's setting up. So if you look at the chart, but I wouldn't be getting in around that 21. I'd be looking more over the 26 mark. I want to see it move up a bit stronger before I would get into to Woodside. But keep watching it. And look, I thought your analysis and everything else and how you structured your email was brilliant. It really was brilliant. It shows you're thinking about it. So. Pat yourself on the back, Ross. I think it was really good. You just don't know. Your trend line's not that great. We need to work on that one. But we'll get to that anyway as a beginner. You gave it a shot, so that's the main thing. But um, Now it's the end of tonight's show. Okay, is it? Yeah, that's oh, it, yeah. unfortunately. And I I'm hope saying. that you've enjoyed it and thank you for participating. If you have a topic that you would like us to discuss, send in your ideas and we'll look at your requests for upcoming shows. Okay, now remember to hit that subscribe button and like the video because it makes Janine happy. Also remember to share the video of tonight's show on your social media with your friends and colleagues so the show can grow and we can help more people. Now also remember to put this show into your calendar as we'll be back here, right here, um, every Tuesday night live at 7 to 8 p.m. As always, we are happy to receive your 30-second video questions, so send them to info at wealthwithin.com.au and just type Wealth Within Live in the subject line. You must do this before 3 p.m. Tuesdays to get in that night show. Please don't make me um, <laughs> get on my skateboard and pedal fast. Well, that really does bring us to the end of the show. And again, we really hope everyone has enjoyed it as much as we have. Um, always, thanks for joining us, and we hope to see you again next week. But for now, goodbye. Good, good luck, luck and, and good, good trading. trading. Stay safe, everybody. Bye for now. Thanks for listening. This podcast is brought to you by Wealth Within, a global leader in stock market education. For more information on our courses or to listen to more Talking Wealth podcasts, head over to wealthwithin.com.au and click on the Talking Wealth podcast under the Learning Centre.